Okay, well then, uh, I guess now's the time as good as any to begin, since we started like uh, 10 seconds ago. So, uh, how about this? So, how about this? Hey, Rafiq. It sure is. It sure is cold in this house without this shirt on. God, I wish there was a place that I could buy a t-shirt. Well, Alan, did you know the brains over at So How About This have got you covered? Tell me more. If you would like to, you guys can go and support us by buying a t-shirt over at teespring.com slash stores slash touch of swag that's t-o-u-c-h dash o-f dash s-w-a-g you can go and buy one of our shirts we got a host of them up there where you know some just of the podcast others making fun of celebrities go get yourself a t-shirt a hoodie i think we have a couple tote bags or something like that designed because uh we're selling out. We're selling out. Well, our integrity was top notch prior to this. So right. it's really is. This is the Sex Pistol selling Seagram's wine is really what this right. is. Well, as you can tell, we're in such a dire state that Alan can't even afford a shirt. So <laughs> yes. we, we had to figure out a means <clears throat> to solve that. So why don't you go and buy yourself a T-shirt? over at teespring.com slash stores slash touch of swag and help Alan to put a fucking shirt on. Mm, Do you really want me to wear a shirt? I mean, I don't, but the Uh, internet probably does. Not Hey, I've actually been uh, doing things with my carcass lately. So I've got, I've got, I've got stuff you can look at now, pal. Um, Oh, really? You, you, you're working on the cum gutters? Is that is that what you're doing? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. So, how about this? Today, this is going to be the first of a series. We're going to do at least three. Um, it kind of depends on how miserable you are by the third one. And we won't do them necessarily sequentially. Maybe next episode will be something else. But we're going to start doing the films of the film auteur, Mr. Sam Furstenberg. Who's Sam Furstenberg, you may ask? Well, let's go down his fucking pedigree, shall we? He directed the film. Go. So are we reading this directly off of his IMDb page? I got you, baby. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So he's doing the film we're talking about today, Revenge of the Ninja. He did Ninja 3, The Domination. He did, buckle up, folks, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, Crawling through his list, uh, I have Cyborg Cop. I would like to do Cyborg Cop, but guess what? Cyborg Cop was so good, they made another one. It's Cyborg Cop 2, also directed by Sam Furstenberg. His last film on IMDb is called <clears throat> The Interplanetary Surplus Male and Amazon Women of Outer Space. Once more, <laughs> The Interplanetary Surplus Male and Amazon Women of Outer Space. That is the title of the last film that we know of by the 
uh, you know, fuck, fuck you, uh, Scorsese. Uh, fuck you. Who's Quentin Tarantino? Fuck that guy. No, Sam Furstenberg. That's who we're about today. Now, I I will say this. I don't know about the rest of you at home, but when I think of movie titles, I like them to be as long and as potentially (laughs) meaningless as possible. So really... That's what you are. You don't want a title like The Avengers, where everyone can just say, hey, have you seen Avengers? No, you want to make people spend 30 seconds of their time saying, look, break into Electric Boogaloo, for Christ's sake. That movie is how old? Let's look at the year on old Break into Electric Boogaloo. That movie came out in 1984. I have yet to meet a human being who can tell me what an electric boogaloo is because it's not a thing. Yeah. I, I, here's the thing, though, right? There's something about his titles, and I, I will say this with some genuine uh, like heart. There's something about his titles where you go like, that's dumb. And then you go a week later and someone goes, hey, what have you done recently? And you're like, oh, I saw Electric 2 or I saw. Yeah, there you go. Come on. I saw, Get it out. I saw Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. Right. And then you go like a couple months later and someone's like, well, have you seen any good movies this year? And you're like, I saw Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Which is, a couple which, years. Is both, which is both a yes and no answer. Have, have right. you seen any good movies? Well, I saw Breaking 2. <laughs> right? And there's just something about his titles. They're, like, they're not great, but they definitely like find a little hook in your mind. And they well, stick can, up there. I can... Um, part of what's going on here, and I, I'm actually not reading this. I actually just kind of know this about Furstenberg. Um, he was one of the guys who he was one of Canon Films guys. They, you know, okay. had their their people that they worked with. And if you know, if you Rafiq and you the audience, if you haven't seen the movie, not breaking to Electric Boogaloo, there's just a movie called Electric Boogaloo, which is a documentary about the Canon Films. Go watch that documentary. It's a whole series of films that were made by these two guys. I, and of course now it's all leaving my brain as I'm trying to talk about it, but they had a business model that worked, even though they were pumping out garbage. And apparently some of the bigger guys like new line today use the Canon films business model, even though new line puts out, you know, Lord of the Rings and shit. But, um, mm-hmm. so anyway, he was one of their guys and, Apparently, uh, in that documentary, at one point, uh, there were the, the two guys that ran Canon Films, and they were both like Israeli dudes who didn't really like understand American culture. And one of them had decided that like Electric Boogaloo was the coolest thing in the world, and had just like insisted, no, 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 it's going to be called Electric Boogaloo. Like that is the name of the fucking film. There, there's something that's always something about movies in general that I marvel at there's something about like the nature of cinema in general where it's like it all it doesn't matter who you are how much talent you have or don't have like if you know the right three people people will be like hey you want to make a movie <laughs> and it's like oh yeah it doesn't have to be good or bad you made a movie like no one's gonna argue with you on that oh, yeah, like, the, uh, definitely 
the film industry definitely has a failing upward thing where, you know, you can write Batman versus Superman, which was a giant turd, and then somehow get hired to write the final Star Wars movie, too. Right. Yeah. It, it like, it's, it's, I don't know. There's, there's something that's both like genuine and like disgenuine about that because there's part of it where it's like, I, because every time I've talked to someone who does the Hollywood thing, everyone always goes like, oh yeah, Hollywood's fake. But like everybody also admits that Hollywood's fake. So it's that thing of like, if everyone oh, could yeah, just come out like, that there's naked emperors everywhere. Just. <laughs> complimenting each other on their clothes right and if somebody could and i always love those moments where somebody comes out and this might just be a personal thing but i love those moments where somebody comes out and they just go like hey none of us have any clothes on who gives a shit dave's awesome like exactly like dave got this job because he's the nicest fucking dude he's terrible at what he's done what he does but he's the nicest fucking dude (laughs) and we're just happy to be working with him Right, so, and I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm all for that. So, Revenge of the Ninja. Um, before we just dive into it, uh, how long ago did you watch this? So, I watched it uh, probably like two nights ago, maybe three. Can you um, give me before we launch into it? Because I got a thing I want to get into first. Can you just give me some initial? Right off your head, gut reactions to this masterpiece. Uh, so initial gut reactions to this masterpiece. Uh, one, I feel it, this movie came out in like 1983, right? Like, yes. So uh, there's definitely a part of me that watched this film and I could see, I was like, oh, this is the very like m- end to like maybe midpoint of Chop Saki films. You know what I mean? Okay. Like. Where it's like House of Flying Dead, like uh, 88. Oh, you are already or... giving this movie way too much fucking credit than it deserves. Oh, no, no, no. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's on that level. Okay. What I'm saying is that like in the choreography for the fight scenes, it's still that kind of vibe. So there's oh. a lot of moments where you're watching like some dude throw a punch and then the camera cuts the guy throwing the punch. And then they'll cut to a guy getting hit in the face. And then they'll cut to a shot of the guy who threw the punch initially still throwing a punch. But for some reason, like the shirt on the guy he's punching doesn't match up with what you just saw. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, I I don't know how many I did. I've got notes in front of me. I did write down the word continuity errors, but now I don't know what exactly i was referring to when i wrote that oh there's a lot of them okay good like not not so the thing that i love the most about the movie this was a film where like i didn't hear a lot of dialogue that i thought was like especially like holy shit he said what now like well we'll get into that because i think you missed out my friend (laughs) but like I mean, there were there were a couple moments where that happened, but not as many as I was expecting because it's been a while since I've seen this film. So, like in my mind, I had built up this image of like, oh yeah, like every thirty seconds there's like another what the fuck moment. Does that mean? But like, um, the thing that really blew me away was watching the choreography for the fight scenes because there's so many fight scenes in this movie where it's like he's just fighting dudes who I would look at them and I'd be like, is he fighting the village people again? Yes, he and then absolutely you're like, fights the village people at one point in this film. I'm so glad <laughs> you brought that up. Put a little, right? We're going to put a little pin in that one. 
Just knock that, knock that right up on the bulletin board. We will get to that. See, um, but the, it, it's not even it's not even just that he fights the village people. It's I'm pretty certain he fights two different iterations of the village people at uh, two separate points. Right? Maybe. Well, so, I'm sure we'll get we'll get around to it. But like, there's the scene where like they're breaking into. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. We're, okay. we're doing exactly what I didn't want to do. All right. But like, so like, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of moments where like you can clearly hold on. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. Okay. So I'm going to try to make this brief. I was in my, I'm going to, I was in my early twenties. I was up too late. I was flipping through HBO or Showtime or whatever. And I stumble across this ninja movie and immediately I'm laughing because it's so bad and it's so dumb. And just, it's just this movie that just keeps on giving. Every time you think it's not going to get stupider, it gets stupider. And I remember it was like really late. It was like two in the morning. And I was like going through my Rolodesk in my head. By the way, if you're under 40, a Rolodesk is a little thing that you used to keep <laughs> on your desk with phone numbers. I go through this Rolodesk in my head of like, who do I know that's awake right now? I call my buddy Drew. I'm like crying, laughing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you can't believe what I'm watching right now. So if... You know, by the way, I have an apology for you, Rafiq. The okay. fact that it's, we've been buddies now for what, five years or so. The fact that you are only now watching this movie because I made you watch it, it, it probably means I don't love you. Because oh, oh, if, you, that hurts. if you know me for any amount of time, I will make you watch this film because I fucking love this movie. Now, in your defense, you've brought it up before. I'm sure I have. You've brought it up before, and we've made plans to watch it, but like plans have fallen through. Okay, I will say this was a this was another one of those films on like my catalog of like these are movies that I've heard are so bad they're great, and it's like you're just pulling yeah because you know you can't overload on those kinds of movies. It's like having pure fucking like ice cream topped of like sugar. Sure. You're like, I'm just going to have one of these now, right? And then I'm going to have to wait a couple months until the diabetes stop. And then I'm going to try another one of these. I like how you think that diabetes goes away like an ice cream headache. <laughs> so, I'm just- all right. So, I bought so we were preparing for this episode. I used to have it on Blu-ray or no, not Blu-ray. I used to have it on DVD and I could not find my DVD. It's gone. So I went and bought it on Blu-ray. By the way, there is commentary on the Blu-ray by the director, which oh. I have not watched yet, but goddamn am I ready to watch that. Yes. And so I'm sitting to watch the film in preparation for this episode. Now, this is, let's say, a month ago. So I've actually got some notes in front of me. I don't even know what they mean anymore because this was a month ago. But here's what I noticed watching it this last time. Okay. I am certain, Rafiq, that as you watched it, you were just bombarded with stupid after stupid, right? Yes. That was dumb. That was dumb. That was dumb, right? So that is the experience of watching this film. There's just so much dumb there, and it's just hitting you in the face all the time. It's not even it, one of the weirdest things about like the level of stupid is like there's a lot of like this is dumb, that's dumb, that's dumb. But there's a lot of moments where you just look like from character perspective, and you're like, this is not even just stupid. 
This is not even like, oh, I made a poor decision. This is like you actively had to go out of your way <laughs> right. to make this poor decision. <laughs> so that you you went right into what I was gonna say. Watching it this last time, let's say a month ago, I was ready for all of the explosively dumb moments that you laugh about. Because I've seen this movie many times with many different people. And sometimes they catch things I didn't catch. So I'm not surprised by the movie anymore. I'm ready for that moment where the guy walks into the kick. And I'm ready for that moment where for some reason there's a robot, you know. But what I didn't realize, I don't think I ever realized, because there's so much stupid coming at you, is that from top to bottom, not one moment of this movie makes any sense whatsoever. Oh, yeah. None of the character choices make sense. None of the character motivations make sense. The entire plot, I have come to realize, he is called Revenge of the Ninja. The main ninja isn't really the protagonist of the film. He's just yeah. kind of in, he's kind of in the background while the bad guys are killing each other, and then they just kind of rope him in because the script needs them to. <laughs> There's a woman oh. named Kathy in this film. And it's only this last time that I watched it that I realized I have no idea what she does in this movie. I don't know who she is. I don't know what her connection is to any of these people. Why is she in this film? And she's so, like one of the main, main characters. So you, you say that, right? But like to take it a step further, I literally, when I watched it like a couple days ago, I was looking at all the various characters in the movie and I was like, some of you have absolutely no reason to even be here. Not, not just, you don't make any sense to be here. I mean, like you could eliminate 95% of the cast and you would still have the same movie. All right. So I'm going to try. It's not going to be possible to do because there's just so many left and right turns you have to take when you're talking about this movie. But I'm going to try my best to go chronologically. And and by the way, the, knowing us, we will get... <laughs> the conversation <laughs> we have is going to cover 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> because, right, yeah. Because there's so much to cover in this film. So... <laughs> Out of the fucking gate, you've got the main character in the movie. His name is Cho. Uh, the real actor is a guy named Shokazuki. And my understanding of Shokazuki is that he is a genuine, like, legit master and, you know, choreographer yeah. and stuff for film. Um, so Cho and the bad guy's name is Brayden. So and I, I'm very specifically right. doing names because I don't want to do what we did last time and just keep going. The one guy and the other guy. Right. Joe and Braden are in Japan. Braden wants Cho to come to America. It's really good for business. Our business will be great if you come to America. No, I must stay here. This is my land and these are my people. Okay. So then they get attacked by ninjas and then... Okay, so the whole, okay, so I, I, the whole, I have to on, stop. Hang on, you. hang on, hang on, hang on. Just let me get this one thing, and then we'll. Okay. You got to come to America. You got to come to America. I don't want to come to America. They're t- the whole point of that scene is they're talking about going to America. Then they get attacked, and we'll get to that. Then it cuts to an American flag, and it says on the screen, "United States." 
Like, that's the moment when you know I am in the hands of a master. <laughs> right? Like, there's no footage of a plane taking off. There's no, like, subtlety of, like, hearing a voice in the background you know, going, like, think, welcome to LAX. Like, you know, I, I think the American flag covered it. I, I think you communicated right. what you needed to communicate with that. So... Here's the thing. Right, Before so we, let's go back to the ninja attack. That's where you wanted to go. Right. Because I go, even before we get to that scene of those two having the argument, we're introduced to the ninjas who are there to kill his family for yes. reasons that kind of eventually get explained. Not really, but no, kind not of. really. No. Right. But here's the thing. So, like, they're there, but, and, like, it's just his family. There's a dude with, like, a hoe, I guess. And I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know about him. Right? And, like, there's a, there's a woman. There's a child. There's a grandmother. There's a baby. Right. And, and like, all, like, like, these people are just there, right? And you go, like, okay. And then you see the ninjas coming out of the bush to attack them, which already to me, I had to stop and take like five minutes because these ninjas are so poorly placed in the environment in their black <laughs> outfits with red headbands. There's, there's really yeah, a, dude, a bright, sunny, beautiful day. And they're like right? behind bushes, <laughs> right? There's a dude in the very beginning who he's hiding behind a stone lantern and his, Half of him is clearly sticking out from behind. It's, it's like when you're, it's like when you have like your niece or nephew and you're playing hide and seek and like, they go like, I'm hiding behind a curtain and you can still clearly see their feet. Right. And it's like, and like, that's all of the ninjas. Right. By so way, this, let's, has, just, let's just reiterate. This is our introduction to the film. Like, this is like, right. oh, oh, we we know what we're in for now. Right. And with no explanation either. Right. It's not, like no nobody in the family is talking about like, oh, these are dangerous times or whatever. Right. So like the ninjas pop out. They start killing people. Right. They kill. Uh, they kill the kid. They kill the guy with the hoe. They kill the wife. They kill uh, like another old lady. Because grandma no. survives. Don't forget, grandma has an awesome kung fu fight later in the film. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that makes me laugh the most, even in that sequence, is, like, the wife goes to hide the baby, right? So she runs around the corner, puts the baby in, like, a bamboo, like, nest or whatever, and then she runs back around to where everyone was getting murdered for no reason, right? Yeah. There's clearly a path in that shot where she could have gone the other way, but instead she walks back towards the ninjas who were just murdering danger. people. Yeah. Like, and there's no explanation as to why she would do that. It's not like, oh, I got to lead these ninjas away so they don't find the baby, or oh, I can't have them find. No, it, she almost saunters back to them. Like, what are you gonna do? Kill me? And it's like, yes, yes, we are. Like, okay, so, god damn, it's really impossible to go chronological because I have to say something about the baby, but I'm gonna hold on to it. You know what? I'm gonna write it down so I don't forget. Keep going. Okay, so 
that happens, right? So Cho starts kicking Ninja Blunt, which is the choreography is great. There's a lot of like one at a time fights, right? Where it's like, okay, there are like nine of you, so you could just gang up and kick his ass. Oh, why, don't, right? why, don't we, why don't you tell me a little bit about him catching an arrow in his teeth? Oh yes, that was a that that was something I was building up to. So there's a scene where Cho has three ninjas point knocking arrows at him, right? In a modern movie, you would show this thing and it would be like a slow-mo shot and he would catch the two arrows and then he would catch the third one in his teeth and like kind of look back at the camera. But this is like the 1980s, so like holy shit, that's not possible, right? Yeah. So instead, what they do is they show two ninjas fire. He catches both arrows. Then the third ninja, they cut to him. They show him firing. They cut to the arrow, which at this point in time doesn't look like it's been fired. It just kind of looks like it's been thrown, Mm -hmm. right? Like someone gently tossed it in his direction. And they do this dramatic thing of. He, the, they have him move, turn his head around to the side, and you can clearly see him, at least I did, put the arrow in between his teeth and then turn back around. Well, I, think, so- I, don't, I don't know if he puts it in his teeth, but clearly he's in position with the arrow already in his mouth, and they, they say action. But- and then he pops up yes. with the arrow in his mouth, yeah. like, ha ha, look what I did. Right. and so like but here's the thing right the reason why that scene in particular makes me laugh is because immediately followed by that scene brayden right the guy who we discover is like essentially the big bad later on in the movie just pulls out a gun and he said shooting ninjas. Oh, that's right. Oh, I think I down. <laughs> And, yeah. like, the best thing about that, though, is, like, he only shoots, like, two of them. Right? Yeah, because they, uh-huh. they, have to, they have to prove that Cho's a badass, right? So Cho has to fight, like, seven ninjas by himself. Meanwhile, this motherfucker's standing, like, ten feet away with a gun. And he doesn't, he's like, oh, okay, cool. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess he's got it. Which, again, this is just the me in that situation. I go... Even if I can kick the ass of five people after that scene, I'm gonna be like, "What the fuck, dude? You didn't think to help?" Like, yeah. Now, now you get involved. So they right. go to America, and Cho. <laughs> I don't know why it was so important for Braden to go into business with Cho. Apparently, they are importing, like collectible expensive porcelain dolls from japan right and it's it's implied that cho makes them is it kind of so at least (laughs) i'm not sure you're right about that so from my understanding of what the whole dealio was was that brayden was using cho's dolls to smuggle heroin right uh, so we're jumping right even so, I don't know what Cho's link in that chain is. So, Braden is in bed with the mob, and he's trying to bring in heroin. And he's doing this with the mob. And they're stuffing the heroin into the dolls, which means the dolls are in Japan. So why does he need Cho? What is right. Cho's job? 
<laughs> what is he doing in this movie? Right. It, it 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 is one of those decisions where it's like because the the guy he who's the secondary antagonist, right? It's not like he has any contacts in Japan, right? It's not like he's Japanese. So it's like, oh, he's buying Japanese heroin and smuggling it into the U.S. through Cho because Japan is the supplier and he's the seller, right? And then that, that would have made too much sense. <laughs> I, th- I think I know how to do this. I, th- I think I figured it out. <clears throat> Let's try our best to hit the movie in the broad strokes and where we can come back and hit some of the specifics that we clearly need to discuss. So Brayden has a falling out with the mob boss for reasons that I don't understand. I don't think the movie understands. Yeah. (laughs) Brayden's like, I want the heroin. Somebody wants the heroin now. I think it's Brayden. Braden's like, I can get it. Let's get it now. And the mob boss is like, hold on, man. Let's let's take our time. And Braden's like, you know what? Fuck you. I can cut you out of this whole deal. I don't need you. At which point I go, yeah, he doesn't need him. Why was he in bed with a mob to begin with? Right. And, and like that, it's such a weird inclusion because it's like, it's not like the mob is the one selling this. Right. It's not I like the mob the mob's involvement is in this deal, other than they right. were just bad guys together. Yeah, so it, it like it would it like even if they had just included one sentence of like, "Hey, man, thank you for helping me get past import or whatever," then it would have right. been like, "Oh, that's what they're there for." <laughs> oh, and speaking of specifics, <laughs> I think every mobster should have at some point looked at the camera and said. By the way, I'm Italian because they right. everything they do and say, oh, what are you going to fucking forget about with the little circles of the hands? And, the, you know, they might as well have just yeah. all been smeared in spaghetti the whole movie. <laughs> so, so Braden's like, fuck you. Mob guy's like, you don't walk away from me. I'm the mob. So then Braden proceeds to put on, like, we, we discover that Brayden is actually a ninja, which calls into question, was he part of the attack at the beginning of the film? And if he was, why right. did he shoot his own guys? <laughs> but Right, right, right. And th- that is another thing that I absolutely love, because it's like, first off, like, it's never explained how he became a ninja to begin with. No, right? he's just it's a yeah, he was just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a ninja, too, now. And it's like, oh, is it that easy? Like, you just put on the costume and that's how you get the powers? Like, uh, So, Brayden puts on a ninja outfit, goes out, kills mobsters, comes back home, puts on ninja oh, outfits, goes out, you're, you're, kills mobsters, you're, comes back home. I'm hearing myself on your side. You, you you are forgetting one of the most ridiculous things about how he's killing mobsters. Uh, uh, go for it. The, 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 so do you remember the Caltrop scene? Keep going. So there's a, there's a scene where he's picking a lock to go and kill mobsters, right? He's picking a lock. Uh, dude, who is also a mobster comes around the corner. And even before I get to that, let me just say this. 
there's something about watching any of the mobsters, especially, but watching any of the characters look in the direction of the camera that makes me think of like those old 1980s like car commercials because i feel like everyone's like two steps away from being like come on down to crazy dance and buy yourself a buick today like we slash all the prices you know uh but like he's picking the lock to go kill mobsters so he throw like they show him he pulls out a bunch of caltrops so like little spikes in his hands and he throws them on the carpet right and mobster comes around the corner and he pulls out a gun and he goes what are you doing right and there's clearly like 20 feet of space and this guy's got a gun and there's a suspicious dude trying to pick a lock the spikes on the floor are super obvious but for some reason this guy decides to walk towards him anyway at which point in time they then cut to him pulling out like a bag of marbles he throws the marbles mobster trips and falls face first on the spikes and then they show like bloody face and him going like ah you know and it's one of those things of like did you forget that you had a gun like, yes, very good. Like there was no reason for you to get that close. Like there was like absolutely no reason for any of this to occur. It was like a Rube Goldberg machine for the stupid. <laughs> so Braden, so Braden is in business with Cho. They have a showroom and they have the dolls in this showroom. So Braden is concerned. I, I, God, it's it, everybody's so their everybody's motivations are so muddled. I'm I'm not real clear. I think the mobsters send people to go rob the showroom. Yes, that's what happens. The yeah. mobsters send people to go rob the showroom. That's what that's where Cho fights. Cho, I've been Cho comes to his showroom, finds nefarious guys trying to steal his dolls. They get into a big fight. Uh, the fight definitely entails people throwing empty cardboard boxes at one another and getting hurt. <laughs> right. Um, so there's a, I there's have a to go, I, again, we're trying, I'm trying to get through the broad strokes, but I do have to right. take a, st- a step back. I have to talk about Kathy. All right. So at the beginning of the film, Kathy knows Cho and she's like training with Cho. But she's also trying to fuck Cho because she's got pantyhose on with nothing underneath. And Cho even says to her, hey, you forgot to wear your pants. And like they're training and she's clearly like trying to wrap her regs around him and do sexy stuff. And, and then like he turns her down. And then she also Cho's son, who uh, I don't have the name in front of me, but the, the boy who used to be a baby. So we mm-hmm. have to assume time has passed. He's, he's like six now. Um, she's very kind of maternal with him. She, she calls him slugger and, you know, is really sweet to him. And so like out of the gate, you're like, okay, she must be some kind of family friend. The very next time we see her, she's like in a power suit with Brayden and they're talking about the drug deal and they're like calling each other darling. So like, okay, I guess she's actually playing Brayden. Yeah. So why is she like clearly throwing her pussy at Cho and like trying to help Cho raise this kid? Then later in the film, <laughs> later in the film, Kathy is in full lingerie that like took a while to put on. 
with like garters and like layers and Braden's like smooching on her and she's like ah oh, no get off of me I'm not in- like I don't want to <laughs> fuck you as I sit here in my full lingerie that I clearly took some time to put together you, you have like- to remember it we're, we're still talking about the 80s right <sighs> where it where it's an era of like well, she's a modern woman. She doesn't need penis in order to find happiness. <laughs> or does she? You know, and it's like, oh, he's he's the big bad guy. So he has the wrong kind of penis, but he's the hero. He has the right kind of penis, you know, like So then like it, she finds out that Brayden because Brayden realized okay, the little boy, I think his name is Kane. Kane sees one of the dolls fall over and sees the heroin. So now Brayden's Brayden's concerned. So Brayden is like, all right, well, I got to get rid of this kid and I got to get rid of Cho. They're going to expose me. Kathy finds out about it, tries to call Cho. Brayden finds out about that. Oh, but even before that happened. Okay. At one point, Brayden's going to leave and he's got this big goon who's just in his house with him. And he tells the goon, don't let her go anywhere. But she hadn't done anything yet. She hadn't betrayed anyone. She just told him no after she dolled herself up in sexy lingerie. Right. It it definitely feels like the scenes were shot out of order. Yeah. And when they came back to them, they're just like, was this supposed to go first or was this supposed to go second? And someone was like, eh, fuck it. Do another rail. Like, that's... So then he finds out that she tried to call Cho to, to, to warn Cho and to say, he's coming after your son. So I'm going to stop there. Who the hell is Kathy? What is she doing in this movie? What right. are her alliances? Is she part of the drug thing? Is she having sex with Brayden? What is, does she live there with him? Who is she? Why is she in this film? Right. And like, here's the, this is what I'm talking about. Like, 95 percent of the cast could have just disappeared, and you would have had the same movie. Yes. If you took her out, right, there would have been absolutely no difference in any of those scenes, except for maybe like some actual character development between right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the like, actual characters in the film. Right. Even some of the like even like Kane, like uh, the child Kane and grandma. Right. Which mm-hmm. those are great characters just because of what you got to see. But like there's a whole thing there where it's like these characters could have not existed and that would have changed absolutely nothing. I would say the only I agree, but he does kidnap Kane, which motivates Cho because Cho's whole thing throughout the whole film is I am done fighting. I have made a vow to never put on my ninja costume again. I will never fight again. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. It is the kidnapping of Kane that puts him back in a position where, by the way, part of his ninja outfit, eyeliner. He has has the little eyeliner on. Otherwise, he's not a real ninja, right? (laughs) Right. That's that's one thing to explain to the people at home. There's a whole subplot in this movie of of uh cho used to be a ninja right which right. Is, explains his like badass ability to kick ass and yada 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 and but, like, 
at no point in time in the movie is it ever explained like is that the reason why the ninjas attacked him in the beginning or like right. is that the reason that he knows Brandon or like because there's clearly at the end of the film he's surprised that Brandon is the other ninja so it's like how I, that leads like, to one of my favorite lines in the film when Kathy gets away and she calls Cho again. She tried to call him the first time, didn't get a hold of him. When she calls him again, she's like, you have to be careful. He's a ninja. Do you understand? And then Cho goes, yes, I'm afraid I do. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, we we can't forget, though, that uh, Brandon hypnotizes Kathy. Oh, that's right. His eyes glow green or something. Right, yes. So, like... Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about this. When he abducts her, when he finds her on the phone with Cho, here's his plan. He already has the boy, and now he has this woman who betrayed him. <laughs> and he keeps talking about how he has to kill the boy, but instead he just throws the kid into a sauna. <laughs> like, hang out right. here. Why didn't he just kill the kid when he had the chance? And he puts Kathy in a hot tub where he proceeds to turn on the jets full blast and just blast her in the face with water. It, there's so many moments. <clears throat> it's, so, like, uh, it's so hard because like you said, it's hard to go over this chronologically because every time you right. bring up something, that reminds me of another ridiculous exactly. aspect of the movie. Like, so, but like, I also have to point this out. At one point, while she's in this hot tub, because they basically they just needed an excuse to get her shirt wet so you could see her tits. That's the right. only reason she's in that hot tub. At one point, the big goon guy who's watching her, I guess he decides he's just gonna like try to mentally fuck with her, and so he like starts swinging nunchucks around, but he's swinging them around <laughs> as if he had never seen nunchucks before. He's just, it's its the most unskilled swinging of nunchucks you've ever seen right. in your life. And, and, and you can't forget too, though, is like, it, that's not the only time you see a dude with a weapon in this film where it's like, clearly you have no idea how this thing is used. Yes. Because you're, you're forgetting that Cho has a friend on the police force, right? And so he and karate guy. Yes. Okay, let's okay, let's talk about him. Here's how we're introduced to him. The cops are going, the cops are going, oh no, people are killing mobsters. We and then they have some reason to believe. I think they find a throwing star, so they're like, well, maybe ninjas are involved. So the way the film presents it. They just go to a guy who's teaching karate and they're like, let's go talk to him. He knows stuff. So they're asking him ninja questions, but like the police chief guy is like being a real dick and just like aggressive. And so I'm watching this going, why is he being such a dick? And then the next time we see karate guy, he's like hey, still hanging out with the cops. It took me a while to realize that he was a cop. Because yes. The first, the first time we see him, he's just a guy teaching karate. Yes, exactly. And it's it's very weird too because there's also the implication that he no has known Cho for a while, right? Yes. So like now, 
it's a weird parallel because now you have Cho apparently has two American friends, <laughs> right? Who are both martial artists who like, we've never understood why they know Cho. None of them is ever like, Oh, I love Asian art. There's just a guy who's like, I practice karate and here's my friend Cho. Yeah. And then there's another guy who's like, I, I want to sell heroin. And here's my friend Joe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, there's no implication as to why either of these two people, it's never even like someone going like, Oh yeah. Remember that weekend we spent together in college and like everybody laughs. Like, let me, let me try. I, I've got a few things I got to get to. Let me try to finish broad strokes. He captures the okay. two of them. Cho goes to fight him. Cho beats him in the end. Let's talk a little bit about that fight. This is a good. It's a good time that we we can get into specifics here because we're at the fight. Okay. Uh, some of my favorite moments. Uh, Braden is on full out assault against the mob, and he's going. Apparently, the mob just owns the whole building. It's like an apartment complex. Yes. It's like an apartment complex with armed guards out front. So I, I guess the assumption is they just own the entire apartment complex. So yes, Brayden is going floor to floor, killing mobsters. Cho is there. Cho doesn't give a shit about the mobsters. He just wants to get kill Brayden because Brayden's got his son. And then a uh, cop guy shows up at one point and gets killed and has some weird monologue about like, not bad for my first time out, right? So like, right. he was a, a rookie? What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> right, yeah, that, that, that was one of those moments where you're like, I don't understand why, like, I understand why you would show up as a cop. I don't understand why you wouldn't show up with other cops. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a while for him to call. Yes, I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> At one point, one of the bad guys pulls Braden's mask down. Maybe Cho. He pulls a mask down and Braden just spits a bunch of, like, razor blades into his face. Yes. Which means, which means he had just been walking around with razor blades in his razor mouth for a while on the off chance that somebody would pull his mask down. Yes, um, but it's, you, you don't understand, Alan. He's a ninja. He's <laughs> right. like Batman, except less marketable. Like <laughs> So the fight ends up on the roof. They've been going up. They've been basically fighting their way up. Now they're on the roof. Before they start fighting, they both get on their knees and do wacky hand gestures at each other for a little while. And they just do that for a little bit. Then they then they get up and they and Braden or Cho starts chasing Braden. At one point, <laughs> Cho has Braden like cornered. So for some reason, to get away, Braden starts backflipping. And right. to chase and to chase him, Cho starts backflipping. <laughs> Instead of going. Hey, if I approach him on foot, I might get to him faster while he's wasting time backflipping. He's going, well, I guess this is how this chase is supposed to go. And he starts backflipping also. So one thing, even before we get to that portion of the fight, the very start of this fight is that it's on a tennis court, right? Yes. On the that's, when they, that's when they're grunting at each other and doing hand gestures. Right. But here's the thing. So the very first thing they do is you see them duck underneath the fucking net to get to each other, and then they just cut the net down and keep the fight going. Oh, that's and it's right. One of, it's one of those things of like, why did you just do that from the beginning? Like, There's a lot of that. All right, so 
Sorry, I'm getting all stirred up here. Cho is following Braden, and he ends up next to a hot tub. They're on a roof. Right. There's a tennis court and a hot tub on the roof. There's giant, like, AC air vents because they're on the roof. (laughs) Right. Right next to those is a tennis court and a hot tub. So he goes around the hot tub. And this arm reaches out and grabs his leg. And there's like a music sting. So he goes to cut the arm off. And he pulls it out. And it's a robot arm. It's a straight. Yeah. There's like wires and shit hanging. But there's, which means that the arm was connected to a mechanism. And that he had actually cut through the mechanism. So at some point, Braden had set up a robot arm inside a jacuzzi. On the off chance that somebody would be chasing him around the side of the jacuzzi, and then he could activate the robot arm. Well, you you have to remember when you have a jacuzzi on the top of a building in the 1980s, you don't want anyone to fuck with your jacuzzi, so you sure. install robot arms to keep people the fuck away. So then, <laughs> by that argument, that means that Brayden knew the robot arm was there, but he dressed it up to look like his arm. Like he took off all yes. the mob rings. He, he took off the gold watch and the mob rings that were on it and put a ninja arm on it. I would, I would love... There's always moments where you watch a bad film like this, like where I kind of would love... Like a Tucker versus Dale, or Tucker and Dale versus Evil kind of thing. Of like, you see the behind the scenes logic for that kind of thing oh. like you would just see like you would just see Braden say there being like that fucking janitor keeps on coming up here at the end of the night and uh, using this <laughs> right <laughs> so you know what I'm gonna fuck with him right I'm gonna get a bunch of replicas of my rings made I'm gonna put them on the robot like <laughs> speaking of replicas shortly after the robot arm Cho goes around the corner and Braden's there and he brings his sword down, ha, cuts it in half, and it's a it's a dummy. So right. at some point Braden had installed a robot arm and a dummy and followed that path just in case someone was chasing him along that path. It's like he was preparing in case there was another ninja. Yeah. Which already I, I love the idea of like getting ready for other ninjas, despite the fact that like there's never a moment in this scene in this movie where it's implied that Brayden knows that Cho is a ninja. Right. Right. Yeah, no, like he, he just knew that because they were talking about they're in Japan and he saw Cho catch arrows in his teeth and he knows. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's all it takes. It's not Cho's a good martial artist. It's just no, he's a ninja, right? In case we get into a sword fight, Cho. <laughs> I need so, to be ready. I've got one more thing that I, is killing me that I have to bring up, and then I'll I, I, the broad strokes are over. They beat the bad guys at the end. Um, right. and I, apparently, they forgive Kathy for whatever the hell she did. Um, <clears throat> so let's go back to the beginning of the film. The three survivors are Cho, his baby, and the grandmother. Right? Right. We cut to present day. The kid is like six now. Name is Kane. At one point in the film, for no good reason, there's no setup for it whatsoever. There's just some bullies who want to pick on Kane. 
I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought this up. They proceed. Let's get, hang on. We'll, we'll put a pen in whatever you need to say. They proceed to have this horrible, awful ninja fight. The kid clearly has had as much training as a six-year-old can have, but even then he's awkward and he's kind of tripping on himself. At one point he like throws a kick and the other kid basically just walks into the kick. So then later in the film, I guess grandma was there for the fight and she starts telling Cho, like, you have to train him. He must know the way. And it's, he's reluctant. I don't want to train him. I've taken this vow not to fight anymore. Hold on. I just saw Kane Kung Fu the shit out of like six bullies who were twice his size. I think he's been trained. Who the fuck trained this kid in the last six years? See, my my reaction to that was that it was grandma, right? Because okay. I, I because grandma has some kung fu skills of her own, which we also see in the movie. But, but uh, well, we see her. We see her spin after a sput- stunt double did a few backflips. Then we get to this old lady doing a slow turn. But even in that, con- then we show them training. So uh, Cho is like, okay, fine, I'll train him. And he's talking to him as if he already knows stuff. Like, remember this, this, and that you're like, he's giving him the tenants. Remember focus, dedication, and blah, blah, blah. Now strike. Right. No, you're not doing it right. Strike. Like, Somebody's been training this kid, and Cho knew about it the whole time. Clearly, right. Uh, so let's get, let's rewind a little bit back to that bully fight, right? Because it's yeah. awkward and fantastic. But my favorite thing about the bully fight is the kids on the bike, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very clear that these kids that somebody just saw like the kid Kane and they're like, we need to do something with this character. And somebody was like, let's have them have a fight. And then you watch the choreography and the choreography for this fight is clearly designed for a group of adults. (laughs) Right. But they're like, we'll just scale it down for children and it will work fine because there's a scene where like two of the bullies, one of them is on a bike and he keeps on, the other bully keeps on hitting him on the back and goes like, go get him, go get him, go get him on the bike. Right. Go, go get him. And he says this like seven times. Right. Mm-hmm. The kid on the bike then kind of like, like if you, if this were adults fighting, this would be like the guy in the motorcycle, like revs up and like rides towards him. And there's like a, like the hero, like kind of like jump and kicks over the bike. And then you're like, ah, look at a cool jump. Right. But like clearly this kid bear this kid, the actor, barely knows how to ride a bike himself. Because <laughs> he's also like seven. So he's like kind of wobbly pushing his bike towards him. And then Kane just sort of like comes over and like kicks him sideways. But you can clearly tell that like he awkwardly doesn't know where to put his legs either. So it's just this tangled mess of like kid on the bike goes, ah, and then like falls to the side. And you're looking at that and you're like, was he supposed to fall off or did he not? Did he actually like take a spill there? Like, (laughs) so uh, let me ask you a question. (laughs) Did you ever 
at any point in the film understand the significance of this medallion that Joe keeps pulling out. That I I had no idea. <laughs> I thought it was going to come into play. Yeah. Like, well, this this is like the secret ninja technique, or this is like secret healing water, like some sort of nonsense. But like, no, like never really like. It was so, just a charm that he would try to look at. Yeah, he says something vague about his family and his honor when he's holding it the first time. And then, like, later in the film, I think Grandma, like, gives it to him and is like, remember. And he holds it. And then I think, like, when he finally decides to go ninja again, he kind of clutches it and looks at it. And and I think, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the logo on the medallion ends up being the logo for the store. Like, it's the same thing. And it's, like, on the right. side of his car. Which, by the way, the logo looks like an ass. It 100% <laughs> looks like an ass. Imagine there's an ass in front of you. And so you got two cheeks. And then there's a line that goes up. And then there's a circle in the middle where the asshole is. <laughs> that is the fucking logo. That It's a fucking bent over ass. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the movie really wants me to like be in awe of the significance of this thing. And I don't know why I'm supposed to. There, there's a lot of moments where like that happens in the film. And there's like never, not just the medallion, but there's a lot of moments where like you're supposed to understand the significance of two characters interacting. And it makes no sense because none of the rest of the dialogue makes any sense in the, that context. Yeah. Like, or what, like, what the, or like, why is that guy fighting that guy? Or, you know, right. well, here's like, do you remember, that in my notes, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but in my notes, uh, at one point, the bum, the, the mobsters go to the bum to try to get information from the bum and the bum tells them what they already know somebody's killing all your guys and then somebody off screen i mean we assume it's brayden but somebody like off screen like ninja darts the bum in the neck and kills him right and it's like so the bum who told them what he already knew was so deadly and so counter to brayden's plan that brayden had to kill him from somewhere off screen right exactly like another great example of that is do you remember the fight scene with Kathy versus Kane? Uh, she was the one who went to go abduct him, right? Yes. And then he brought so, like, her off and eventually doesn't she like win by some, like, isn't he basically kicking the shit out of her, but then she just does one stupid little thing, like slaps him or kind, something. Kind of. It, so to me, that was a moment where like you're watching this fight scene. She's gone there to kidnap him. And like it's very clear the only reason why she wins is because she's a fucking adult and he's <laughs> sick. Like <laughs> just throws him across the room or something. Right? And like it's so weird because it's like I didn't like when I went into this film, I didn't think I would watch like a 35 year old woman just sort of beat the shit out of a six year old. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> like, then, and then you came. 
Well, I mean, like, usually I got to pay extra and I got to <laughs> go like dark web for that kind of thing. Like, right. But like, no, like, seriously, like there's so, like the entire fight between the two of them boils down to like kid is like light and fast doing kicks and like throwing punches as well as a six year old kid. Right. And then like 32 year old woman just basically like just sort of like pop, pop, pop. And then the kid goes down. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, of course, because she's a grown ass woman. Like, All right, like so <clears throat> what else you got? Because I think I think I'm uh, I, I think I'm spent on all the things I absolutely had to say. So Okay. What else? So what I, I, I definitely know I have at least two, maybe three more things I gotta talk about. So we already kind of hit on the fact of like the original village people fight, right? Yes. He fights a leather guy. Yeah. He fights an Indian, no construction worker. Right. But here's the thing, right? No construction worker in that village. people. Oh, right. Fight. That's, true. In, That's true. In the second village people fight, there's a construction worker, a leather daddy, and definitely a gay cowboy. Yes. And it's one of those things. He's got the quintessential 80s gay mustache bear thing going on. Right. And it's one of those things where, like, not first off, how dare you break up the village people like that? (laughs) Second, it's all Shokazuki's fault. Right. Second, the thing I loved about the Native American guy, because he's clearly the most badass out of all of those first, like, thugs to fight. Right. right? But it's very, Im- very like, weirdly implied of, like, oh, here are two foreign warriors, like, making combat. And it's like, uh, I don't know about you, but if I saw a dude in a Native American-esque costume, right, as an adult carrying hatchets in the 1980s i would have called the cops a while ago (laughs) (laughs) and the best thing about it too is like every time you see the native american dude in that first fight you don't see any hatchets it's not like they're stuck on his belt it's not like Mm -hmm. they're underneath his shirt he just suddenly has them in this film yeah he just suddenly has them to remind you of like Oh, you were you saw like Sitting Bull, right? Like it's kind of yeah. like that, dude. Like, you know what Native Americans are? We have hatchets. It's just what we do. <laughs> so, like that first fight is great because like there's a car chase in there, like too. Because yeah, they're already action, fighting. The action scenes are pretty fucking good. The, there's a, right. there's a guy on a car and it's swinging around and he's dangling from the car like for real. It's not Shokazuki. It's a stunt double. But there's, right. there's shit going on in this movie. Right. And like the stunt double like kicks through the window and like yeah, he's now fighting in the car, you know. So like that whole and nonsense goes. Movie, I mean, when when he's doing close up combat, when he's not turning to show a uh, arrow that's already in his teeth, you know, when he's actually doing like real Kung Fu on film, it it's good shit. I mean, I'm no Kung Fu guy, but it looks good to me, you know. Right. And like, so you, so you watch that and like, I loved it because you were talking about continuity errors earlier, but 
But like, there are so many moments in those fights though, where like Cho will clearly like hit a guy and the guy will fall to the right. And then he turns around to the left and like kicks another dude. And then he turns around to the right and a different guy than the guy he hit previously (laughs) is attacking him from the right. Even though three scenes prior, that dude got like kicked into like a bunch of garbage on the other side of the street. Oh, right. So, yeah. so it's like, so this guy got up out of the trash, crawled <laughs> around <laughs> to his right, I guess. To, and but the, but the best thing though is like that will happen, and then they'll do like a pan out shot so you can see where everyone's supposed to be. And the guy lying in the garbage is the guy that he just hit from the right. So it's like, okay, but then where's the guy who attacks him like three scenes later? He's not even in this shot. Like, yeah, the the script girl on the set was not uh, doing her job. (laughs) One of my favorites is in that same first fight scene is he he attacks a dude on the stairs, right? He's kicking butt. Guy is trying to run up the stairs to get away. Cho grabs his legs and just kind of like smacks this guy's face down on each step on the way down, right? And you go like, ah, see, he's brutal and whatever. Right. But then the camera immediately cuts out and that guy's body is not on the stairs at all. (laughs) You know, and so like, uh, so he has that fight scene, which I go like, all right, this is fun. Great. It's dumb. Right. But then he gets into the second fight with the village people, right? Where he's fighting Leather Daddy, uh, gay cowboy, construction worker, guy with a phone. And it's Cho and like karate policeman, right? Which I think that was his original name. He's he's of the policeman family. He's, he's Irish and karate. Uh, <laughs> right, let me, real quick, real, real quick. I want to say that... In the film, the character of Cho talks about being a ninja, a samurai, and karate. <laughs> like three completely yes. separate practices. <laughs> but apparently the movie doesn't know that there's a difference between those three things. Yeah. They're like, they're, these are all Asian, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah but no, they're all Asian. Like, it's, That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So, like, he goes to fight them, and they're fighting on a playground, and, like, first off, it's incredible, like, they're just in a park, right? Because it's the 80s, nobody's got a cell phone yet, we get it, right? Mm -hmm. This is what people do to have fun, I guess. But, like, they're fighting in the park, and then they start fighting on, like, the playground equipment, or, like, around the playground equipment, which is all Sorry to interrupt. I I just realized like they don't even do anything really cool with the playground equipment. They could have done a really cool right. gag on the swings or on the monkey bars, but they're just underneath monkey bars. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Like they're just kind of using the playground periphery, like as a backs, like as a backdrop, and like it's very weird that like all the playground equipment is like adult sized. Yes, because like they'll kick a dude, and it's like this guy's like six three, and he's sliding through a tunnel that's definitely meant for a guy who's like six three, and it's, it's like you know what? It's like, like Sam Fersenberg 
saw a bunch of Jackie Chan movies because Jackie Chan's a master at like he could walk into my apartment right now and choreograph a fight using my computer and my chair, you know. So he was right, so, exactly. so like Furstenberg went. Wouldn't it be cool if we did like some Jackie Chan shit in a playground? But then they never actually <laughs> used the playground in any way. This is so. This is always my thing about eighties movies in general. I go the reason why eighties movies are so batshit crazy and kind of fun because of that is because of cocaine. All right, I feel that whole era was I just fueled by coke. <laughs> right so there are so many moments so there are so many moments where i watch a film like this where again they're just fighting next to like gym equipment or like in the background of a playground or whatever where i go somebody did a rail a coke right and they're like, all right, we're going to fight on a playground. We're going to do some Jackie Chan shit, right? They're going to be like on the monkey bars or whatever, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, beautiful. Write that down. And then the guy got like fight in the playground. And then you just hear another line like, <laughs> all right, so they're going to be chasing the guy, but he's going to be on the van and he's going to kick in through the window. And it's like, are you writing the same scene or are you writing a separate scene? Doesn't matter, Dave. Just put it down. <laughs> it's fine. It's awesome. It's so awesome. It's all so awesome. We're in the United States, man. Put a flag right. in the United States. Right. Are we ever going to really mention what city we're in? No, we're in the United States. <laughs> it's just vaguely the United States. Right. Um, so what else did you have? You said you had like two or three more things. So there's that. And then there's the scene where Cho gets brought in to the police, right? Oh, where, I think I know what you're going to say. Go. Right. So, like, they're having a conversation where they're like, Cho knows, like, knows ninjas, right? Or, like, Karate Cop is trying to explain why Cho, who is a civilian, like, mind you, yeah, is going to be an expert on, like, ninjas, and a coffee cup falls off a desk. And Cho has been like kind of underplaying himself, like, ah, oh, well, you know, like I I can kind of help, but you know, it's not really my thing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, ninjas, you know, are uh, very deft and mysterious. And then like a coffee cup falls off the table, and the cup is clearly empty. Like it's clearly like when you're watching it, you're like, it's clearly empty or there would be coffee everywhere. But somehow Cho manages to catch the coffee cup, not spill any of the coffee that's inside, because now you can see the liquid swirling around sort of as his hand grips and, it. And much, the same way, much the same way as he caught that arrow in his teeth off camera. He sure didn't catch that coffee cup off camera. Exactly. He just got exactly. out of his hand holding the coffee cup. Exactly. And like it and the best thing about that scene though is like the scene just sort of peters out. Like they all just sort of stop talking and then Cho leaves. Like that's yep. it's not like they, they haven't really come to a conclusion. Cho hasn't really said I'll help. Or like yeah. I won't help. Nor did that scene serve any function. <laughs> right. The cops here's here's what does happen in that scene. 
Uh, they give Cho the throwing star. That's why they believe there might be ninjas involved in these mob killings. And Cho holds it and says, only a ninja could use this weapon. Right. <laughs> As if to say, and then he goes into real specifics. Like, it could kill someone if it went through their eye or some other. Like, there are only, like, two parts of the body that you could possibly kill by in this thing. And then only, like, you couldn't just have it in your hand and go stab a guy with it. Only right. a ninja can use this weapon. And, like, it... And again, the scene, it like there are so many moments in this movie where characters are just repeating information that the characters already know. Yes. It's like this movie was this it I I wouldn't say that it was just because of the era, but it's almost like this movie was designed for someone to come in, right? And be like, what are you watching, Alan? And you're like, oh, I'm watching Revenge of the Ninja. And they go like, well, what's going on? And you're like, no, just give them a second. And they're like, by the way, only a ninja could use this one. <laughs> it's really a movie that doesn't need, like, when I first saw it in my 20s, I came in in the middle. And I, I didn't really miss anything. Like, right. Wherever you start this film, that's the right place to start this film. It's fine. Just, Just turn it on. Right. You can literally start this film at the end of the movie, watch the last three minutes, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty, that was a pretty, yeah, that was a movie. That was a movie about revenge and ninjas. That's. (laughs) So I I did forget one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, My friend Jason, one of the hardest times I've ever seen him laugh. Uh, Brayden has the kid and Kathy tied up. He's going to go either confront the mob or confront Cho or both. And like, he's giving his exposition to his goon. I'm going to go now and fight the mob. Then he proceeds to turn around, open the door where Kane is in the sauna. He opens the door, looks at Kane and goes, ha 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 ha. And then just closes the door and walks off. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was so what, one of my favorite web comics that I read when I was a teenager was uh, this comic called uh, Much Ado About Nothing, right? And one of the reasons why I love that comic is because there's a character in there who is an evil villain who uh, they perpetually uh, will have him in these cliche situations and the character is aware that it's a cliche and he embraces it fully. Right. Like there's, there's a, there's a one scene where like someone's trying to explain to him why it sucks listening to like a villain, explain their plans to them. It's like, you know, you could just leave. Right. Like, I don't want to sit here and listen to all this. And he goes like, yeah, but if I leave, then I break the cliche and that becomes a cliche and then it's just a circle of cliches. And besides, I worked really hard on this, so I deserve to enjoy this, right? Yeah. I feel a lot of times watching Brandon be evil in this movie is watching <laughs> a dude who is like, oh, I get to be evil now, right? And so it was like, yeah, <laughs> What we don't see are the scenes where he's in his office reading a book called How to Be Evil. And he's right. like highlighting passages. 
<laughs> right? Like exactly. Like like he, I feel like he he had just highlighted the passage when you have the heroes ward helpless laugh, right? <laughs> and so like he came out he's like because because the room isn't right there. It's the hot tub and then the sauna is off to the side. So he had to go into the room Cross by the hot tub specifically to open the door, laugh at Kane, close the door, cross back by the hot tub, and then leave. Right? And I feel like he did that and that he got into his car and he was like, Yes, knock it out of the park. Fucking <laughs> nailed it. Right? But the, the last thing I definitely want to talk about though is Grandma's fight scene, right? You just, uh, we've already mentioned that it's clearly not this old woman. It's like a 26 year old guy in a wig. So we don't, we don't have to cover that, but hit me go. So, So one of my favorite things is they do on more than one occasion in this fight. They do my favorite 80s trope of guy shoots a thing, but we can't actually endanger somebody. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut away, show the person shooting the thing. They're shooting a bow and arrow. They're using a blowgun. They're, you know, throwing a throwing star or whatever, right? And then we'll cut to a piece of wood with object now sticking out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we don't even actually see the penetration. It's just already there. (laughs) Right. Like, and like you might hear like kind of like a spring sound maybe to indicate that it, right? But, like, they do that trope, like, seven times in this one fight, right? And it gets to the point that it's so ridiculous because Grandma is, like, shooting blow darts, right? And they keep on cutting to her, cutting away, cutting back to her, cutting away, cutting back to her, cutting yeah. away. And now you have, like, three darts in the wall. And it's like, you you could have just shown all three of them hitting there and we would have gotten the point, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good call. Good. Right? Good editing tip. Rafiq. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then, right. They sh- keep on doing that, but then they keep on having grandma in a room full of weapons facing off against uh, the other ninja who we don't, we like, we know who it is, but like, they don't know who it is. Right. And it's clearly implied that grandma knows how to use all of these weapons, right? But like no one ever explains how grandma knows how to use all of these weapons. Well, somebody's <laughs> been training Kane all these years. So maybe exactly. it was her. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like it specifically she's in a room that's supposed to be full of ninja weapons, which I like I don't know about karate cop because he does come to the like art studio at least once. I feel like you would show up in that room once and you're like, we're looking for a ninja. You know, there's a lot of ninja weapons on these walls. Oh, let's also <laughs> fix, set me straight if I'm wrong about this, because I got really confused this last time I watched it. So the 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 mob sends the bad guys to go steal the dolls. Show tries to stop them. They have this cool uh, on the van fight, which is genuinely cool. And then, then I guess Brayden breaks in to see if the dolls were stolen. 
Like instead of yeah. just showing up to his business with a key, he like breaks in as a ninja. But that's the moment that you realize maybe the movie made it clear before and I just never put it together. But that's the moment that you realize that the entire back of this doll store is like a ninja training area that allegedly no one's using because they've all taken vows not to be ninjas anymore. Yes, exactly. But that that's kind of the, so like, that that's the, how to put this. So you are absolutely correct. Okay. It's very weird that they have this whole thing that no one's ever really talked about. No one's ever really, you know, it's like, oh, we have the store up front and I guess you also live here and this is also your training dojo. Uh, but like, Kathy has been back there, right? Oh, like right. you said, Braden owns a key. So there's literally no reason for him to go there and confront grandma at all. Like he could have just sh- showed up the next day and been like, oh my goodness, this is awful. In what happened here? <laughs> There's a moment in the film. I wrote it in the notes. I don't really remember it in my brain, but I, it's on my notes. Apparently, there's a moment in the film where Brayden comes home in the ninja outfit, changes, has his business suit on, has a conversation with somebody, and then dresses back up in his ninja outfit and leaves to go kill more monsters. <laughs> right, yes. So, like, if... There are so many moments in the movie where, like, it it genuinely feels a lot of the time when I watch this movie. And part of me, I guess, found it endearing, too. But there's so many moments where I was watching this film where it felt like things had just been done out of order. Yes. Like, if you had gotten an editor and you had brought them in and you just gave them the raw copy and you're like... Hey, can you re-edit this? So <laughs> can it you make sense? This a movie, please? <laughs> right? Like, you would actually have something there. It would not be the darling of a film that it is now. It would be semi-competent, and you would just go, oh, this sucks. Like, <laughs> it would be episode four, is what it would be, where an editor went, oh, what did this Lucas guy do? Let me, uh, right. let me try to cobble a movie out of this. <laughs> Right. But there's so much of this film where you're just watching characters interact and you're like, if you just took like an extra beat between these two scenes, this would make this make so much more sense. Like, And I never in this last watching, I guess I've already said this, but I, I never fully got my head around why Braden was killing the mobsters because i think at one point i might be wrong about this but i think at one point the mobsters kind of got the message and they were like okay we get it we don't want to be in business with this guy he's killing all our people like there was no reason for the fighting to continue like this guy's clearly going to kill us all and then he proceeds to just go ahead and instead of going i killed a bunch of your people I've sent you a message, stay off my back, let me do this heroin thing by myself, which allegedly was the reason for all this fighting. He goes, nope, now it's time for one last assault, and I'm going to kill everybody. Right, and it's not like he gains anything from it. It's not like there's anything... Yeah, he's already broken ties with them. He's already got the heroin coming in. He's fine. He sent his message. He's good. Right, And he's in no danger. They're not coming after him. He keeps going after them. 
Right. And that was, that was another thing, too, about the mob in this movie. There's never an indication that the mob is coming after Brayden. Right. Isn't it like no, no one ever goes like, oh, well, the deal's off. Like, my boys are going to find you in the street and rough you up. It's just sort of like, think- oh, yeah, you don't want to work together. Well, fine. I'm going to take my toys and go home. Well, I think I think the initial argument, I think it's been about a month now. I think the initial argument was the mob was like, you don't back out of deals with us because we're the mob. And what? so originally there was like, a, I need to send them a message to let them know I'm not fucking doing this. I'm going to go be on my own. So he's trying to cut the deal. But also, now right. that I think about it, I don't know that they ever knew that the ninja that was killing everybody was Brayden to begin with. So yeah, like, they didn't. <laughs> so now, he's not even sending the mob a message that says, back off or I'll kill all your guys. He's just systematically killing all the guys. It Again, it is one of those films where like character motivation makes no sense. At all. But that... But that is kind of what makes the film magical because nobody makes any sense at all. And you kind of just have to go like, well, it is what it is. All right. We're going to have a fight. We're going to have a fight with leather daddy in a park because of reasons. Well, we have, we have talked for the running time of revenge. of the Ninja. (laughs) So I hope that for the last hour and a half we were entertaining, but I also deeply, deeply hope that you get yourself a copy of Revenge of the Ninja and experience this cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, you absolutely should. And um, you know what? Uh, if we can, I'm, 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 I'm going to make a Revenge of the Ninja t-shirt on the store. So... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch. No, no, there's no way MGM will come after us for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, half our products would probably get us sued, but who cares? Uh- <laughs> yeah. We gotta at least alter it somehow. We gotta somehow put our little cartoons on top of it or something. You know what? How about we put Rafik's head on top of Shokazuki's head and we change it to like Revenge of the So How About This or something? That'll that'll be better. <laughs> Oh, so speaking of which, this might make you laugh, and I guess we can kind of close it here and plug the store. But uh, one of the first t-shirts I made was making fun of uh, Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo, right? And so, like, uh, because a, a lot of the shirts on the store are either, you know, for the podcast, like, directly, like, it's our photos or whatever, making a thing. Or it's um, <clears throat> or it's uh, like taking a famous celebrity and like putting a quote from another famous celebrity underneath them. So wait, you know? Are you talking about the store that is at teespring.com slash store slash touch dash of dash swag? Is that the store you're talking about? That is that is the store. That oh, I'm talking about. okay, cool. Uh, but like, uh, so we were making fun of Break It Too, Electric Boogaloo, and Teespring was like. Well, we can't take it that, da- or you can't have that shirt up there because Electric Boogaloo is copyrighted. Exactly. <laughs> so I sat there and I was like, "So you don't mind me making fun of celebrities, but Electric Boogaloo is off the table." 
Well, yeah, there's no way they get George Clooney isn't going to come after them for this silly George Clooney shirt. <laughs> MGM might. I, MGM although, might. I, although I, I will say, uh, my biggest fear is not MGM coming after me, but uh, Cho decides he needs a cut of the profits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Then we yeah. get to have Ninja versus Samurai. All right, that that'll Wait, be fun. <laughs> I, I think here's what we do. God forbid Shokazuki hears this episode and he wants to revenge of the ninja our asses. But here's here's how we we take care of some problems. That we kind of find out when he's going to attack, and that's when we invite Ed the Machine Regine. To show up at the studio because Shokazuki's not listening to this. He doesn't know what we look like. So he kills Ed for us. And then uh, he's satisfied because he's gotten his revenge of the ninja. And then we get rid of Ed in the process. Uh, here's, here's my only issue with that is I feel like if we invite Ed to the studio, Ed's going to sit down and then Cho is going to. Uh, Shizuki is going to show up and then Ed's going to slowly pull down a silver mask. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And he is like, you thought you were going to get me, but I'm the American ninja. (laughs) Oh no. That's why his jokes are so bad. He has a mouthful of razor blades. (laughs) He's trying to talk around them. (laughs) And only bad street jokes have just the right combination of mouth muscles that he can avoid cutting his own face up with razor blades. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, I think that's a good place to stop. So, uh, oh, before we go, before we go, though, what's the next movie that we're gonna watch? Uh, we're going to watch a little film called A Break Into Electric Boogaloo, which is, oh, okay. I swear to God, even weirder than Revenge of the Ninja. <laughs> okay, so we're we're just jumping like straight into the deep end now. Yeah, okay. like, like we can do Cyborg Cop, but I promise you, when you watch that one, it's, it, it's not special bad. It's just bad. But Revenge okay. of the Ninja and Electric Boogaloo are like these shining beacons on a hill of bad of like <laughs> what the hell am I watching right now okay fair enough so we will be back for uh, break into electric boogaloo uh, before we go Alan you want to plug your uh, soch not really <laughs> there's nothing nope. on there for anyone to see <laughs> Okay. Well, then, uh, I guess on our part, you know, go follow us on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, we will see you guys again as we talk about Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. So, uh, so how about this? So, how about this? So, how about this? So, uh, so, uh, so uh, <laughs> <laughs>